Hello everyone I hope you are doing well we are back with another episode of Blitz Business I hope you will enjoy this podcast Uh hi Jimmy thank you so much for coming over to Blitz Business it's a pleasure to have you Thank you Ashish for having me over and it's a pleasure to speak to you Great thank you uh, so uh, can you please tell us a little bit uh, about yourself and the idea behind uh, Della Group how did you set up the your venture Ashish the venture uh, was not really thought of uh, right in the beginning stage like all startups uh, the venture was uh, has evolved through the years uh, it all started off with me uh, dropping out of my college doing a diploma in mechanical engineering coming to bombay uh, from a middle class parsi family searching for a job trying to see uh if i would get a job and uh, then trying to trying to wander on my own those days with a little bit of toy manufacturing uh plastic injection molding machines i interned over there one month in each of these companies and uh, decided that i'm going to be an entrepreneur not going to work for anybody uh i started with a small pest control business uh right from home i had the only capital i had was i had my racing motorcycle i sold it off got the money and bought pest control pump equipment chemicals and started doing door to door pest control services uh i always had the entrepreneurial streak in me wanting to organize my business and get into an organized segment so i tried to get a license for my pest control company i literally went ahead and hired a hut in the in the vadala jopropatti uh, where i could on which address i could get a commercial license and uh, to do that i also started approaching corporates to give me business uh, so in the next two years of my journey i grew exponentially in pest control and uh, we we landed up doing a few hundred apartments for various corporates from times of india uh, to bank of baroda uh, mm-hmm. for pest control i always had the desire to keep growing uh, the same pest control building for bank of baroda that i did there was an opportunity to do the lift room plastering and i took the plunge into contracting I started doing contracting jobs very menial mediocre just repairs water tank cleaning society maintenance and society road repairs plumbing wall repairs all kinds of miscellaneous uh, petty contracting jobs uh, that led my streak to reach out to architects as an established contractor and try and work for them as a as a as a contractor for projects which other contractors would not accept very easily which is second homes uh so in alibag pauna nandgaon kashir these are the areas i started doing contracting jobs for established interior designers and architects as 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 a as a as a contractor who would be doing anything and everything that's given to him i always had a good amount of uh, research and background to kind of grasp things very quickly so i w- i learned i learned the method of designing from these guys uh it continued from 90 93 to 95 i continued with contracting for various architects and started doing projects in bombay uh, and and across around in and around bombay 95 i wanted to branch out into something completely different and uncharted uh, on the road those days on fountain where i used to go to do pest control for bombay house i would often wander and and reach out to those uh, stalls on the footpath which sit with books i came across a book by the name of officio which is predominantly italian office office furniture manufacturing companies catalog and uh, that officio i i came across a couple of companies i shot out those days faxes were there i shot out a fax to a couple of them one company by the name of olivetti synthesis responded back and that was my uh, uh, my destiny with italian furniture uh, i 95 march i went off to italy uh, met with the company 
and told them I want to bring their dealership to India. I had no goddamn freaking clue what I was talking about. Uh, but yeah, I loved their products and I thought I, I had a market in India. I had no clue how to import. I had no clue whether it was allowed, not allowed. I had no, no clue, none of these things. I came back wow. to India and said, I, I, I will have a dealership of this company. And uh, how do I import it? Uh, I didn't even have a banking facility to be able to open up an LC. So again, again, through friends, I came to know that Tata Exports would be willing to open an LC at a commission. And mm -hmm. uh, hence, I reached out to Tata Exports and they helped me to open up, open up LC. And uh, I had to take a special import license those days for importing furniture into India. So I did that, took the Italian catalogs and started visiting the same architects for whom I used to do contracting and said, dude, this is, this is something fantastic and it's available and it's available officially. Those days, people would import furniture uh, under the disguise of transfer of residence. So it was more like smuggling furniture in India. That was 95, 96. And uh, everything changed with, with uh, special import license and me officially importing it. Uh, yeah. Apart from already synthesis, I was very fortunate to be introduced to a whole bouquet of companies by the vice president of already synthesis, who, who I met over there. Uh, he introduced me to the residential furniture supply companies in Pesaro, Fano, and uh, Remini, those areas. Uh, very soon, by 96, I set up India's first Italian furniture showroom in Tardeo. I also in 96 hired the whole of Nehru Center and represented 27 Italian companies and did a, India's first Italian furniture exhibition ever. That was 96, uh, whole of Nehru Center. I had no idea what an exhibition is. I'd never visited exhibitions before that. I hired off the whole of Nehru Center and represented each of these companies for the products that I'd imported. Again, invited all the architects and designers uh, in, in Bombay, whose database I had got from Council of Architecture and Council of Interior Designers. Uh, it was amazing experience. Uh, we never looked back since 96, 96, 97, 98, three years, we had a run like none other. We expanded uh, in not just in Mumbai showroom, we put up Mumbai, Delhi, Bangalore, Hyderabad, Chennai, uh, and Pune. Uh, within this two years, we expanded to all the cities. And in each of these cities, we set up a showroom, we set up an office and started dealing with architects and designers, trying to get furniture supply contracts, Italian furniture and our own manufacturing furniture. Uh, 96, another incident happened as soon as we launched the showroom. Uh, furniture for six months under the Government of India policy was removed from special import license. And uh, that was a turning point where all my consignments were blocked and I could no longer import furniture. It came under the negative list. So I had to compulsorily start manufacturing and I had no knowledge in manufacturing apart from all the Italian furniture factories that I visited. So again, uh, went across to Nagpur where I had done my engineering. I had a few contacts and connects. And uh, over there, I had a friend whose father had passed away and his, his, his truck repair workshop was shut down. So I hired that 2000 square feet workshop from him and started off my small little furniture manufacturing workshop from there. Very soon, I got a huge order from Star TV. Uh, and uh, to fulfill that order, I, I required a much larger factory. So I hired another factory in an MIDC area in Nagpur that was, I think, about 15,000 square feet. And I started manufacturing furniture there. Came across, uh, Government of India came up with a policy of five years income tax exemption in Dhamman. And 1997, I took a furniture on factory on hire in Dhamman, which was far more closer to Bombay than Nagpur, and moved my Nagpur factory there. So since then, 97 March or April, we've been in Dhamman, and we established our manufacturing facility there. 
uh, and 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 the rest is history. Since then, uh, we we of course bought in machines, machinery, and kept growing. Again, my desire to grow and not just be a furniture supplier to architects or a contractor to architects because I could design far better than most architects I was working for. So I started doing turnkey interior design. My first project was HDFC at Remen House uh, and uh, for Mr. Deepak Parikh and uh, Star TV. So Star again gave me a second break in turnkey interiors. Now this time around, I was not going to be the furniture supplier, uh, but I was going to be the turnkey interior designer. And uh, that was 1999-2000. Uh, the very first office I designed for Star uh, at Kamla Mills uh, won me a Young Design Practice Award from Triple ID, and that further catapulted my my career as a designer. Uh, I started doing turnkey interiors, and uh, we were we were always very innovative and ahead of the curve because everything I'd learned from the Italian design studios while I was uh, two to three years importing from Italy, meeting with their companies, manufacturing factories, their design studios. I had learned and grasped a lot of design knowledge, and which kept me ahead of the curve uh, compared to anybody else in the world of design in those days. That's the, and 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 by that time I started attending all the international global exhibitions on furniture, be it Salone, Milano, uh, which used to be in the old exhibition center, not the new one that it is now. Uh, and uh, I used to visit Singapore. I had visited North Carolina and America to understand the American furniture market and industry and suppliers. So I had gathered a global design knowledge. Uh, I had visited uh, Cologne. Uh, so it, 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 that, that I would make sure that I, I am present at every furniture global interior exhibition. And uh, that helped me to establish global connects even more better, understand international design, and come and practice the same design in my turnkey interiors in India. So I, I, I became very popular with the corporate segment, designing one corporate headquarter after the other. From the year 2000, we never looked back. By 2004, we had exponentially grown. Uh, I think we were, we were about around 1,000 employees by that time and uh, doing projects across India. So 2004, my office was not enough where we were in Tardew. Uh, we decided to hire a whole building. So we leased out the entire building on Slater Road. And uh, my client then, Times of India chairman, uh, Induma Jain, uh, very graciously, uh, the old lady inaugurated my, my entire building. And that was a statement building where I had displayed cutting-edge technology. 2004, we were one of the first buildings in Bombay uh, to get blue lights with LEDs. Uh, those days, nobody understood what LED lighting is all about. Uh, and uh, I had Crestron technology automated in my office. So it was, it was, we were already on the cutting edge and ahead of the curve. And the more clients would come there, the more they would go crazy looking at everything we had set up and the more projects we would sign up. Uh, we continued doing this and my desire to grow was always, always there. It would never allow me to stagnate with what I was doing. Uh, so by, by 2006, eight, we had really, really achieved a considerable name and reputation in the country uh, doing projects. Uh, in a cycle, we would end up doing about 40 uh, uh, interior projects together in every three-month cycle. Uh, by then, we had already finished designing for uh, the likes of Dr. Vijay Malia, who was at the pinnacle of his career then, Kingfisher Airlines, headquarters of UB in Bangalore. Uh, we had done Bajaj Auto headquarters. We had done 90% of India's television channels and stations, uh, Star Z, Sahara, NDTV, MTV, Channel V, Neosport, Sky TV, uh, Prime Focus Studios. So we were kings in this business of studio design. So anything that involved design, technology, technicalities, we were, we were very good at doing that. The media, we were very, very popular. And then we became very popular with the banking and financial segment and sector. 
we did we did almost almost 50% of india's financial industry india infoline religare capital uh, dcb bank and bank, number of banks we we handled in those days so all of this put together had put me at a place which was comfortable in my career uh, however there was an urge to grow further and i was always comparing myself uh, that what if i was a uh, rashesh kanakia or a vicky obroy or a boman irani these are doyens of our real estate industry in india and all kind of first generation entrepreneurs uh, in in the real estate segment achieving fantastic wealth for themselves i was always compare our balance sheets with them and say okay where do we stand we are not even chicken feet compared to them no matter how big and in india it didn't grow bigger than subrat roy sahara vijay malia times of india rahul bajaj rajiv bajaj you know it didn't grow bigger than that so for me mm. the clientele list i had already achieved to the to the top point but uh, in terms of balance sheet interiors would not allow me to grow hence the desire to try and try and get to get to something bigger and that's how dela lunavla happened uh, 2009 recession uh, we had we had acquired a small piece of land of 5 and a half acres in in lunavla uh, to make second homes get into development uh, before that in 2005 we acquired a land in bombay uh, it was a small old dilapidated building in dadar which is now our headquarters dela tower and uh, we we ventured into architecture designed and developed that building under redevelopment norms which is where our headquarter offices it's a statement building in bombay it's pretty unique so 2008 that finished and we moved to lonavla started doing real estate development for second homes and with that came the concept of adventure so we, we you know i i had already seen enough adventure across and there was a desire uh, for me which was innate being a biker and a and a, and a motocross rider so i i got the horses the atvs the dogs everything i was passionate about collected together and set up a small adventure park in 2009 post recession uh and 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 then kept developing and innovating experiential hospitality so 2010 we put up the first 30 room resort and and every year we kept non stop development on which is on even today uh so today 11 years down the line we are we are running six experiential hospitality resorts Uh, uh with almost about 270 rooms uh, between these six uh, we are we are running 12 banquets uh, seven restaurants a couple of lounges and nightclub uh everything has been innovated and developed across by us uh, over years so we 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 not only fnb but we also keep innovating in things like manufacturing chiki liquor fudge now we are coming up with liquor chocolates liquor ice cream and uh, mm-hmm. so we, we we love to play with experiential hospitality apart from adventure park a couple of years back i came up with the concept of uh, counter terrorism training for civilians so i set up the world's first luxury military theme resort uh, and and uh, training academy uh, which is which is very popular now across the length and breadth of the country uh, which which deals in uh, counter terrorism training for civilians in a luxury military theme environment every guest has to get into military camouflage uniforms and we have got the finest ex uh, special operatives from indian army training so we have lieutenant general of indian army general raymond narona leading the team and we have got marcos commandos nsg commandos black cats uh, id specialists we got we got the whole team of people and uh, very passionately we conduct these training programs uh, one of the most popular program is the jungle survival there uh, and our our midnight uh, camp that we do so the, these are we we now kind of as an organization specialized in innovating uh, and executing those innovative ideas beat manufacturing or beat hospitality beat real estate and uh, kind of carved a niche for ourselves after all these years with uh, unique designs and a very true honest uh, trusted brand 
that people look up to no matter in which category we do business it's very upfront very honest and the best part is each of our businesses that we've innovated the people with whom we started the business are still working for us so be it my first pest control business my one employee of pest control company is still there be it our manufacturing most of our workers are still there and uh, be it hospitality my first restaurant manager my first resort manager each one of these guys majority of them we've tried to hold them back so each of the businesses we are proud to say that we have some of the most oldest staff across as old as the business and the career wow that's that's very impressive in terms of you know uh, I, i mean you are a true entrepreneur in terms of you have touched almost all aspects starting uh, businesses from pesticide to contracting to hospitality design i, I would like to know jimmy in terms of what has been you know your favorite leg in the entire journey till now you know what what has been the favorite patch or the favorite piece which you enjoyed the most out of all these different different businesses which you set up and executed you know uh the i think the best part i have enjoyed is the last couple of years of innovating uh, rapidly uh, three to four businesses uh from uh, in in at dela and carving a niche for ourselves in experiential hospitality where i am the designer i am the client i am the operator i am the investor so i don't have to work for a client i don't have to design for somebody and mm-hmm. with thousands of guests coming in every month and just appreciating the designs uh, actually resort guests you'll be surprised take the time out between the holiday to ask where i am if i am around they want to meet with me and just come and congratulate me or thank me for designing something like this now that wow. gives immense amount of satisfaction wow. you know when mm-hmm. when somebody is just not paying you for what you've created but coming mm-hmm. and thanking you for it and that to me is 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 very very gratifying also creating employment to a different level uh, so we've got now uh, uh, about 1250 employees back on our payroll uh, post covid uh, so mm-hmm. 1250 families back on payroll during covid times where most hospitality companies they laid out 50% of their staff or more mm. uh, gives again a tremendous sense of responsibility and satisfaction both like i said to me my landscape gardeners are are very close to me every jharuwali who sits and uh, cleans uh, they are all my local village women for me mm. each one of them and their smile on their face or a simple namaste from them is very very gratifying and deep rooted so i personally feel directly or indirectly i am responsible for their well being and that's a enormous task on my shoulders uh, that's a pretty impressive feat in terms of you know uh, how you managed in terms of getting everyone back on the payroll uh, as pandemic hit for sure and in terms of i wanted to ask you as an entrepreneur how do you manage your time because uh, you have a big portfolio of companies uh, uh, yes. as can as as evident as it can be right so how do you manage as an entrepreneur that's point 1 and the point 2 is in terms of when do you feel when do you know when is the right time to switch or to start a new business uh see as an entrepreneur the minute my business is established and 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 uh, set up i i am looking for something that's more challenging and it's affiliated directly or indirectly to my world of design so for mm-hmm. me it is very very important to get that satisfaction so if i set up the resort i know that a five star resort is is uh, commercially viable only when it grows to a point of at least about 270 to 400 rooms because the minute it goes into that zone then you are uh, economies of scale are in your favor and you are viable 
so for mm. me to have a clear understanding once i take a deep dive into the business i know what needs to be done i struggle to achieve it and at that point in time i also want to automate it and have enough capable people around who have grown through the ranks and hand over the day to day running and operation of that business in their hands plus i still keep the keep a very tight leash and control uh, through a medium of processes a uh, back in my hands so there is tremendous amount of trust in my people but mm. we've laid down the processes in such a manner that it's not it's not just purely uh, run on trust and and emotions but it's also mm. run on a whole lot of documentation processes and paperwork so there's a combination of these two things works out very well uh, and 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 the desire to keep innovating always keeps me engaged in every line of my business because innovation comes from me i need to drive that innovation so hospitality post covid we said we'll now do liquor fudge is very popular so let's do liquor chocolates so i'm hiring a chef i'm teaching him i'm showing him videos across and and kind of you know i i can't cook for nuts but i can actually tell what would sell what would not sell what is it what is the kind of shortfall or what is the missing gap or gap analysis in the market in that zone and how should the branding be how should the covering and packaging be what should be the price point so all these things i get involved and when i get involved i take a deep dive in research i i literally i literally chart out that particular world of which i'm entering and 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 globally then try and come up with a product that at par to uh, any any of the global competitors so that's the kind of uh, thing that i look for a couple of businesses that i are about to take off is dela by jimmy mystery uh which is pin to piano of interiors it's a very unique uh, business proposition in the country uh so i've been designing for who's who in the country like i told you earlier but uh, now i'm tired of doing it for clients i would rather democratize my designs and come up with concepts that have been designed by me and products that have been designed by me so in the last 6 years uh we've we've designed and developed 2 and a half thousand products across about 30 business verticals so we started manufacturing dela brand of tiles Adela brand sanitary wear faucets lights fixtures fittings furniture rugs carpets accessories and we are redefining the entire buyer experience or user journey for an interior buyer so today typically a interior client who has a luxury client money uh, goes to milan uh, or italy to buy or goes to china to buy and and that to me has to change and hence uh, how would we change it so we started researching global companies there is an public listed company in 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 united states known as restoration hardware and in italy there is visionaire apart from these two there are so many other companies there is a there is a plethora of organizations but i think these two companies have managed to define the interior buyer journey beautifully well so restoration hardware's new york store at meek packing district or restoration hardware store at uh, in in east hollywood uh, at maryland so each of these stores are very very symbolic whatever i have studied i want to replicate that across over here in india and try and map a user journey that will compel people not to go globally but seeking for design but to come to something like this and when they have 2 and a half thousand products so they can come with their designers come with their architects come and enjoy the experience live at dela resorts and go shopping so we set up a 50000 square feet store where 2 and a half thousand products are on display across 30 verticals we are launching that store in march uh it's been a six year journey from from the ideation to setup uh and and that's what that's what is super exciting for me right now uh by the time we launch that store there is something else i'm working on so it's two huge things i'm working on and uh it's it's super exciting times plus we are doing a whole lot of 
things at Della Resorts which are coming up with new. Uh, we've just started with chopper rides. So we've got the chopper lending facility and we started with doing chopper, chopper joy rides. Most people don't get the opportunity to do it in India. I'd seen it in Manhattan and I loved the idea. So we started doing 10-minute chopper joy rides for people. Uh, so lots of things are happening at Della as well and, and keeps, me, keeps me on my toes 24 hours a day. Ashish, you there? Yes, yes, I am here. That's very interesting, you know, uh, uh, in terms of, uh, I can imagine you being 24-hour busy, the kind of uh, businesses, very interesting businesses you are working on. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, you touched upon a very interesting aspect of uh, setting up the the sort of mapping the customer journey. What is your sort of idea and vision behind in terms of, as you can see during the pandemic or the COVID, uh, the entire landscape of shopping and the behavior sort of changed. So do you also plan to sort of take the journey online, you know, uh, making more sort yeah, of only, only so we are, we are a digital, Yeah, we are a digital store. Uh, hmm. we, are, we are an online store. Again, online store is not something that we've come up with. It's taken us more than three years to develop the online portal. Uh, okay. It's been a whole lot of development journey in online, setting up the hmm. back-end ERP software. Uh, it's not, mm. like I said, being in the interior business, I could have launched a store in six months. I could have hired a store and just done up the interiors and launched it. But uh, the very fact it's taken me six years to set up explains a lot uh, the amount of depth we've gone into. We've upgraded our manufacturing facilities in Daman. Now we've got two factories, 80,000 square feet. Uh, the customer journey that you were trying, asking me to touch upon, uh, a lot has changed. A lot has mm. not changed in the physical sense of the word. A lot has changed in the emotional sense of the word. Uh, so physically, everything is same. So if there was a war or a bomb or a destruction, physically things would have changed uh, or, mm. or there was a natural calamity. In this case, people are the same, place is the same, emotions have changed. And the one who understands this in business will be able to survive post-COVID and flourish because uh, people people and brands need to, need to be empathetic, uh, need to be human-centered and need to understand the emotions of buyers and people. Uh, so it it is it is very very critical for every brand to first think uh, of a human centered design and a human centered perspective with empathy, uh, and 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 that is what I think Della as a brand stands for. We we do very little advertising or marketing, very very limited. Uh, even online, we are very limited. We are very big on organic, and 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 that organic piece really really affects very our our businesses and keeps us going. So I put up a post uh, a post uh, uh, opening and said, look, uh, every every fan of Della, I need your help. Help me to mm. kickstart this business back again. You got no idea the amount of response we've got with something like that. Or oh. or me talking on my LinkedIn post on 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 saying that why should we not uh, uh, you know uh, uh, take advantage of the situation and give mm. instead of instead of uh, you know cutting salaries. We should try and see if somebody needs to be deserved to be paid without asking, give an appraisal or hire the person at the right salary, irrespective of COVID. Uh, there were, mm. there were, I think, more than 1.6 million views on it, on LinkedIn, oh. organically. Oh, wow. So, wow. so people, people really resonate emotionally and people are very intelligent to smell the truth from the fault. So as mm. brands, when you're you are, you are communicating this constantly, you're thinking on behalf of the buyer, uh, you will you will come up with things and solutions which are very uh, very emotionally connecting to the buyers or the clients. So our resort guests, like I said, are hardcore brand ambassadors of Della. 
Uh, our, our adventure park guests are brand ambassadors of adventure park. Uh, we don't need to do things. They go out and market us. They go out and talk to 100 people about us. And they make sure that people come and they do everything that we require them to do from time to time when we reach out to them. So even in interiors, every architect realizes from their bottom of their heart that uh, they don't want to go to China to buy. How can they get something in India with their clients if it is of that, that cutting edge technology and quality? Uh, every client also understands that if they have somebody in India providing it, they would rather trust that company more than go to China or go to Italy. So we, we, we are going to map the entire journey and see how it impacts people across India. Uh, people will come to Lonavla, Della, stay here, or just come for the day, visit the store, experience it. Uh, we are creating a beautiful restaurant on the top with a 10,000 square feet lounge uh, where we are, we are having the finest of Mediterranean cuisine a finest of selection of almost about 250 bottles of wine. So we are, we are really crossing all normal limits and trying to get into experiences that people can really, really enjoy and yet keep it very cost realistic. So we firmly believe that business is to be transacted at the right price. Uh, you cannot attach a snob value. You cannot, you cannot have unrealistic prices. And at the same time, being the cheap or the cheapest is not what the customer is looking for. See, India is a very, very poor country filled with rich mm. people. Uh, mm. they, people just want value for money. So one thing Indians are looking for is Sasta Sundar Tikau, but they are looking for value for money at the end of the day. And if you right. provide that value for money, even for somebody 20,000 rupees is value for money. And for somebody mm. else, 5,000 rupees is also not value for money. So you need to understand if you want to talk about user psyche uh, and, and, and talking, of, uh, talking of kind of the emotional aspect of buying, you need to understand if in India, you need to give value for money and then nothing is too cheap or nothing is too expensive for the buyers. True. I think that's a very, very important and key point in terms of identifying that value for money. And as you rightly said, in terms of 20,000 and 5,000 rupees example, which you just gave. So I think that's very important. And uh, as you mentioned, word of mouth spreads, you know, uh, uh, that's much easier and, and it's it's much, much easier form of marketing and uh, it generates a lot of brand value most, for sure. Most genuine, genuine form of marketing. Yes, the yes, most absolutely. genuine form of marketing. So that, that, that's, that's what one needs to really focus and keep your ears close to the ground in every business vertical and try and listen to the consumer because if you don't, you'll be yesterday's newspaper. <laughs> and and Jimmy, tell me in terms of, you know, uh, from uh, all these businesses, what has been your you know what has been the most difficult aspect in running any of the particular businesses or there were key sort of common traits you know from your experience what has been the challenging aspect um, when starting out uh, a new business or any of one of the businesses you know because you have seen the complete cycle you have been into all yeah. these businesses so what has Ashish, been the most for, for, for a first generation entrepreneur the most difficult thing is capital and uh, it's 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 the most thing. It's a make or break situation. Uh, I I have somebody uh, uh, who I always look up to, Boman Irani from Rustamji, and Boman's one word always resonates in my ears very clearly. You know, cash flow is oxygen of the business. Mm. You you do not have you don't manage your cash flow properly, and you're a good healthy human being can be dead. A good healthy business can be dead. Mm. So management of cash flow and capital is the most critical thing for a first generation entrepreneur and for me also there have been times where i've i've come very very close to bankruptcy 
there have been mm. times where i've been very very close to i feel i'm on the edge of the mountain i'm going to be tip, tipping like mm. post pre covid during covid days initially the first 15 days i thought it's all gone and finished and mm. how am i going to pay the loans how am i going to pay the debts how am i going to service and and mm. and of course i had to take a stock of the situation and uh, turn it around completely to my advantage and our advantage which we mm. by the grace of god have been able to do i think uh, a, a very honest and truthful approach also mm. plays a very very important role so mm. so and and a little bit of prayers god always sends an angel in some form or the other when you are most down and out but for mm. that you need to have a very honest and truthful approach and behavior towards work and business and finance so for that me is- i have always been bailed out i don't know how many times god has sent how many angels in different forms and Jesus. and uh, so be it be it the ex chairman of bank of baroda uh, mr md malya he passed away due to cancer last year uh, uh, a year and a half back uh, there, there have been angels in different forms at different points in time in my life and uh, each one of these people had nothing to do with me i didn't even know them but just just that just that the person opens up to you and and kind of helps you in more ways than one and thanks to their help you survive and sustain in business and you grow to the next point and you should have gratitude towards these people you can never forget the good they did to you so there have been enough angels in my life i can't remember to name all of them but i think rustam tirandas at the beginning of my career god bless his soul even he's passed away but uh, he's he's a man who's tremendously helped me at the beginning uh, edelji turel the chairman of uh, bombay mercantile cooperative bank again he's passed away but uh, he helped me with my first 1 crore loan when no bank was willing to give me even 30 lakhs because i didn't have a collateral you know so he gave me a way out he says okay you take out a life insurance policy of yours and uh, we will take that policy as a collateral so wow. uh, you know god sends angels in different forms and versions but uh, uh, i most of my good things have happened on ganesha's day on tuesday in my life so for me i i, I love my siddhivinayaka and i love i love my uh, whatever i could do so sometime later in my life god gave me an opportunity to design the siddhivinayak mandir and i've done a lot of changes and design works there gave me tremendous satisfaction that god has given me a chance to serve back so that i mean you you need truth and honesty uh, beyond everything else and faith in god uh, for a, for an entrepreneur i think these are these are some very basic criteria and you will be bailed out if you have true and honest intentions absolutely i think these are wonderful uh, you know points and you know as an entrepreneur the first thing is always to start and like slowly and steadily you know people will be coming to help out uh, in different forms of fashion for sure uh, and and in terms of you know jimmy what what has been you know since uh, if i can ask in this sort of particular fashion as an entrepreneur there are two aspects of it the first is definitely which you t- uh, touched upon is in capital form you know it's very difficult when you're starting out uh, to get hands on to capital but the other aspect is if you're offering a product or service you know what is more crucial the product or service or the distribution of it you know because uh, 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 you 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 have done businesses right so from your perspective what do you feel is more crucial or where one needs to focus more in terms of building quality product services or the distribution side of it or the sales side of it i for me for me i believe in putting if i have 100 i want to put 99 into my product create oh. so much of uniqueness in the product create create so much of awe and inspiration in the product create so much of passion and and differentiating factor in your product that people will come from anywhere to looking for your product 
I mean, you 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 do not worry about everything else will take care of itself. Yes, you need supply chain. Yes, you need logistics. Yes, you need planning. But all of that is something that you can grow if you have a very very unique and fantastic product, which is value for money. So if you have that, people people will wait for it. People will you know even if you falter on delivery, people will still vouch by you. People will still. So I've had interior clients. Whose deliveries, let's say a residential apartment, instead of three months, you finished in nine months. But those people, the amount of satisfaction they have got, and value for money, realization, and design, their talent that they have seen, how we've turned around their entire concept, they will swear by you and come back to you again. I'm not saying you should not honor your commitments. All I'm saying is give 100% to your product, and 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 make sure your product is not. Most people, if they have 100, they will invest 30 to 40. rupees or percentage of it into false and and bravado and marketing and advertising and and they will do in 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 uh, in all all kinds of fancy launching i think i have never had a huge launch ever of any of my businesses i don't believe in it yeah we were, we had a simple family and friends get together and that's a launch uh, for me for me putting 100% on the product is very very critical uh, and and also for me before you do anything with your product trying to trying to democratize and use design thinking and 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 try out your product in different different ways as we technically call it prototyping be it your product or your service prototype it with all honesty go back to the drawing board and keep improving it and it's not necessary to wait to finish 100% and launch the product yet right. you need to finish a cake you can't you can't serve a half baked cake to people but as soon as your first cake is ready start selling it to people don't wait to perfect it out or wait for that fantastic oven to be delivered uh, uh, all of that will happen as a by product you put your passion into a product and 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 leave the rest up to god and then start taking sort of the feedback right the iteration that sort of gets right iterations then... are very important prototyping yes. and iteration is super important in any product or service you keep coming up with thousand variations and options mm. so you will keep improving at the job with a very honest intent not with an intent to fool somebody or with an intent to cheat somebody or if you announce a feature that is absolutely frivolous uh, you announce a feature there has to be a lot of steam in that feature mm mm-hmm. definitely uh well uh jimmy i think there are too many question but i won't hold you back i have taken enough of your time so time so i'll just ask my one last final question so you know uh, after after seeing your journey and everything uh if you were to start you know Uh, fresh again i mean definitely keep doing different businesses uh, every time with the new learning but you know if you were to start again uh, from scratch what would you have done differently uh, comparing to your all other businesses which you have done in past like uh, one or the other things which you would have you know looking back in hindsight uh, uh, ashish i i uh, if i had to start all over again there is something that i'm working on currently and uh, i can't talk about it uh, uh, because i as yet have not even done a pre launch or a press or a media launch on it uh, so i don't want to talk about the full concept but i can just tell you uh, it's it's something that's going to impact the world globally hmm. and it's 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 something that is larger than life it's something that will help me leave behind a legacy if i die tomorrow it's something that's going to impact entrepreneurship it's something that's going to impact professionals it's something that's going to impact young leaders so for me uh if i have to do something all over again i would work towards uh creating an impact creating mm. a sustainable impact and in the lives of in the lives of people 
and that's that's something that i would work towards i would i would uh, money would be a by product money even today is a by product i i am not attached to money in any which way and i'm i'm proud and honest to say it and people around me in my close circle know about it i some day might just give up business and only work towards impacting societies globally so for me that's the biggest high how many lives i have touched and how many lives i'm going to impact via the medium of my work or the way of my thinking that i implement in people's lives so the next thing that i'm working on we are starting in new york london hong kong singapore uh, dubai bangkok and nine cities in india we are doing a global launch with these 15 cities uh, and and uh, i'm i'm sure we'll do a podcast with you next time i will be able to talk at length about what i'm doing and creating but till then just wait and watch and follow and uh, i will surprise you with what we are doing and perhaps i'll be able to elaborate far more and explain to you why am i saying that causing an impact globally is the most important thing across definitely definitely will be looking uh, forward to it eagerly and in terms of you know uh, business principles what 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 will be your learning and giveaway and take away you know sort of to all the listeners in terms of you know if someone is starting a business today what will be your few couple of uh, key points if, which you want to mention to them work towards impacting uh, and solving problems impacting lives and solving problems uh, because those kind of businesses are going to be giving you maximum gratification when you retire and uh, hang your boots uh, because life uh, is not all about making money making money is never going to give you the satisfaction or making money is never going to be giving you the gratification so before you hang your boots if you have to think and work towards that day uh, only only those businesses and those works uh, which are going to impact people's lives positively sustainably uh, which is going to impact the world and our planet earth in a sustainable manner those are the kind of things that are going to give you gratification so if if uh, if uh, because at the end of the day when you die there is no way you're going to take that money up there with you uh, the only thing that you're going to be satisfied or not satisfied is what are you going to leave behind as legacy is it an institution have you touched people's lives how many lives have you touched how many families are going to thank you for what you've given them so for me all these things are super important and the sooner and earlier in life you realize these things the more or less you will waste your time in doing mm. things that don't really aim towards this goal and vision wonderful wonderful uh uh that's absolutely brilliant jimmy uh thank you so much for your time uh, uh it was great to have you and learn from you you know uh you are a true entrepreneur in the sense uh having run so many businesses and keep innovating and always i mean i think the key takeaway from the podcast will definitely be sure for sure in terms of you know doing businesses which will have an impact you know touching lives uh that's a very key key aspect money is the by product you know and, and you don't need to attach ourselves to the money uh and staying true to yourself is very important so i think uh, that was wonderful jimmy thank you so much for your time ashish the pleasure is mine i hope we are able to touch lives and motivate people and be a catalyst in people's lives so that we can drive their lives from a life of success to a life of significance Thank you for listening we will be back with another episode of Blitz Business stay tuned